Power the Future presents the Your Fracking Welcome podcast. Each week, Rick and Larry take you through the latest news you need to know to take on the eco-left. We're proud to stand with our country's energy workers who get the job done every day. And to all those greenies out there, we say, you're fracking welcome. Now, here's Rick and Larry. Oh, happy Thursday. Well, at least it is for us as we record the Your Fracking Welcome podcast. That's what you've stumbled onto and hopefully subscribe to and hopefully wait every single week for the latest of what is going on in the energy industry, how our energy workers are delivering everything that makes our way of life possible. My name is Larry Behrens. I'm the Western States Director for Power the Future, joined as always by Rick Whitbeck. And uh, we're doing this a little early because we are celebrating our nation's birthday this week. And so happy Thursday to you, Rick. And uh, hope it's going to be a, a good Fourth of July up there in uh, the great what frontier? I always forget. I always forget the last frontier. The, the last great frontier. Land. The great land. The great I don't land. Know. The, the last frontier. The largest state in the union by more than two and a half times the size of Texas. You know any of that, right? I mean, one and of the I know least it's the place to be. The, the weather there. there is so perfect right now. It is seventy. It's going to be seventy-five, seventy-eight all weekend. I know that's. Uh, cold for some of you guys in the lower 48 but it's glorious for for alaska in the middle of the summer and uh, we're going to go out and enjoy uh this beautiful fourth of july weekend thanks for tuning into the your fracking welcome podcast we have a lot of stuff to talk about in a really short amount of time so larry let's uh Stop talking about the weather and get to energy. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, the weather's a big deal down here because we're all trying to stay cool, and that would not be possible with our energy workers. And, you know, it's something that our friends in Washington are probably trying to outlaw. Just this week, they introduced the Green New Deal 2.0. Nancy Pelosi and the House Democrats brought it forward, and it has caused uh, a, a little uh, splintering in New Mexico's congressional delegation. Just to hit some of the highlights, it looks to get... The United States, I believe, uh, carbon-free in terms of electricity production, I want to say by 2040, if I'm not mistaken. They're in the ballpark. It will also require, I think, by 2035, car manufacturers to only produce electric vehicles. So you're going to have to, you know, I, you know, if you own, I, I would say any uh, cars that are combustion engines, you know, maybe those will be relics if this uh, bill passes. Uh, of course, it's definitely not going to pass. Or maybe they'll just be outlaws. You'll be an outlaw for driving around your combustion engine, you yeah. know, and hoarding. Similar to, to not wearing a mask. That's right. That's right. And so, you know, let's take a look at this real quick. I mean, obviously, folks can take a look at for themselves. But, you know, for my two cents, looking at the political calculus here, they have known the Green New Deal is a non-starter. Uh, we have done a study on it, on what it would cost families. Uh, you should go to powerthefuture.com and take a look under projects if you want to see that. But here in New Mexico, if the Green New Deal were to pass, it would cost the average family here $72,000 in the first year alone loan to come into compliance what's the the number for alaska there Rick? well it's just under 80 grand and the average uh, household up here makes 80 grand so it basically be you know the first year's uh implementation would be the complete uh average household income 100 percent of it pretty much for uh for compliance with the green new deal's energy policies yeah uh not only is that a non-starter 
I can't afford that. So, you know, that what's, what's good for me is good for thee, right? Well, exactly, exactly. And so when we looked at the Green New Deal, they actually brought it to a vote in the Senate, did not receive one single vote in support. Although it should be noted, uh, one of New Mexico senators who voted present has now said he supports it. So I guess he was present for it before he was for it. I don't know uh, what kind of language, but there's a lot of mental gymnastics being done here because I think what getting back to the political calculus of it, I think this is cover for Joe Biden. I think they understand that if he is tied to the Green New Deal, that that is detrimental. And so they have to throw out something that pleases the radical eco-left or that they hope pleases the radical eco-left while still being more palatable to the energy um, economy that we have, not only in our states, but in our country. Um, And so, like I said, it's caused splintering in the New Mexico congressional delegation. We have three uh, members of the House of Representatives The one uh, from Albuquerque has wholeheartedly endorsed it and is behind it. Uh, The Democrat member from the southern part of the state has said she doesn't support it. It's nuanced non-support, but has said that uh, she does not support it. And so even within the Democrat caucus, it doesn't have full support. No doubt it it, it won't get through the Senate. And I don't know if, if it made any waves up your way this week. It really didn't because our congressional delegation being completely Republican, um, just basically did what they should have done, which is ignore it. Uh, it has zero chance of actually passing uh, Congress. You know, it's a, it's a it's a show uh, it's show legislation at its finest, and it really truly is um, a, a shift away from what the Democrats would like to do, so that they can pr- provide Joe Biden with a little bit of cover. Although, if you look at the Biden um, presidential uh, webpage, you see that he has fully embraced. Green New Deal-esque policies that would be damaging, if not um, just outright destructive to millions of families across the country. Absolutely. It would, you know, we just had our, our special session. I know we've talked about it, Rick, but it would make, you know, we had a $2 billion deficit that uh, the legislators had to cover up in Santa Fe, and it would make pretty much every session like that, just a massive deficit here in New Mexico if something like that were to pass. But uh, the eco-left doesn't really worry about all that. And uh, there's, a, a, you know, all, all kinds of, it's just nice to see during this time when we're wondering how we're going to... Um, uh, recover from coronavirus uh, economically, uh, that oil prices are starting to tick up more, that demand is starting to go up more. And so to bring a law like this right now, or a proposal like this, as you know, someone is just starting to recover, I, I, you know, it is, it, it makes zero sense at any time, but especially now. Yeah, certainly, you know, we've seen a lot of companies um, that won't recover from this COVID uh, situation, coupled with the the geopolitical wars, you know, you're seeing those down in New Mexico and, and we're seeing, uh, you know, small businesses up here <clears throat> support businesses and or small producers really um, kind of uh, on life support of their own. What we did see up here, though, in Alaska this week is a, um, a monumental shift in our producers when BP, <clears throat> BP Alaska, which has been around for 50 years and has operated the um, you know, the behemoth of all behemoths in the U.S., the Prudhoe Bay oil field, you know, since the 70s, uh, exited the state pretty much this week when they sold all of their um, uh, leases to Hillcorp. And Hillcorp is a, a privately held company. For those of you not familiar with it, um, based out of Texas, uh, Jeff Hildebrand's the owner. He and his family are super philanthropic. They, they have done amazing things and they've really built their their reputation on taking aging, mature, declining fields 
and not only um, increasing production out of those fields using you know technology and and other um, uh, avenues, but in lengthening the life of those fields. And um, you know, up here in Alaska, Milne Point, which is a, a BP held property up until a couple days ago, um, Hillcorp bought a 49% share in it. They took over the the ownership of it back in or not? I mean, the the running of the field in 2014, and they've doubled the per barrel output from what BP was doing in 2014 to present. They've gone from about 16,000 barrels a day up to 32,000 barrels a day and have lengthened the um, uh, the life of the field by almost 15 years, uh, you know, according to estimates. So if they can do that to a place like Millie Point, what they can inject into BP, uh, and, I mean, into uh, Prudhoe Bay is going to be awesome. $5.6 billion dollar, um, exiting from BP as they look to continue to, to shave off um, some of their oil and gas properties around the uh, around the country and around the world. And um, Alaska has a new major player. So it's ConocoPhillips, Exxon, and now Philcorp here in the Great Land as, uh, as BP gets ready to, to exit. The only thing they have is a, a piece of the pipeline, Trans-Alaska Pipeline, and they'll sell that to Hillcorp here eh, sometime in third quarter. Well, and it, it just goes, I mean, you, you, you talk about all those numbers and it's it's mind boggling, the investment in time and in production and in opportunity that it's going to mean for Alaska. Hillcorp obviously uh, has, uh, you know, um, assets here in New Mexico as well. And so there, there wants to, there, you know, there's going to be development in that. But it, it all goes to the point of, I think sometimes in the energy industry with oil and natural gas, people get immune to the billions and billions of dollars a little bit that yeah. that come in and they, they, they just come to expect it. And talk about, you know, a, a world of contrast. We took a look this week here in New Mexico about how much the renewable industry contributes to our state. And for perspective, New Mexico has roughly a $7 billion budget uh, this year. Uh, nearly 40%, not quite, nearly 40% of that is derived from uh, revenue from the oil and natural gas uh, industry. How? They're paying their taxes, as good citizens do. They are paying billions in taxes, so much that it supports nearly half the budget of an entire state. Where do renewables come in on that? 0.01% of the money that goes into the state budget is from renewables. As a matter of fact, if you take all the the carve-outs that uh, are given to the renewable industry, combine it with all the political donations they have, there is no doubt that New Mexico is losing money on renewables. The, the state budget just does not recoup the cost in what we see coming from renewable companies. And so it goes in the red. And so to, you know, poor a little bit of salt in that wound we noticed something that uh, and you'll see this in a blog post in the near future uh powerthefuture.com we noticed something that was uh, going on here in new mexico a group calling themselves renew mexico play on words well done renew mm. new mexico is spending thousands of dollars in digital ads trying to do what they're trying to get out of paying taxes. They want to have a petition so that renewables are exempt from paying taxes 
in New Mexico. And so let's put that in perspective. We talked often about the Energy Transition Act, and it is forcing away traditional sources of energy in return for these quote-unquote renewables. And what their promise is, is that we'll have a just transition. It'll be a just transition. Well, part of that just transition conversation is never the billions of dollars that flows into the state's revenue because they can never do that. And now they are trying to escape paying any more in taxes. And it's you know laughable when you look at just the hypocrisy of it, but there are actual consequences of it because part of the Energy Transition Act, where they are working to shut down a coal-fired plant, which provides a huge amount of electricity for our state, part of their rationale for passing the Energy Transition Act was that they would place some of these renewable sources in the same area so that those schools and those municipalities and those cities would be able to recoup some of the lost taxes that are there. Well, what a bait and switch it is to say, oh, we're going to put our renewable resources in the same area where we're shutting down traditional energy resources that are more efficient, by the way. And we're going to do that so that you guys don't lose tax revenue. And then once that has been done, go to the government. Keep in mind, it's never the same groups that propose for the ETA. They bring in a new group so they can all have deniability. Right. Then they'll say, oh, well, we need to be exempt from taxes. It's a precarious time for renewables in New Mexico. They can't be bogged down by taxes. And first of all, I give them a little credit for, you know, just the uh, uh, philosophical point of view that taxes do bog people down. I look forward to that discussion with them as they, you know, talk about corporate income taxes in New Mexico. But the fact of the matter is, this is the bait and switch of the eco left. This is what they do. They promise one thing, and then when they have your commitment, they pull away and it is you know lucy charlie brown football every time with the eco 100 100 percent. you know um what you're seeing up there we're seeing here as well with with projects that um all of a sudden get renewed scrutiny when uh when the new group comes in and the new group is just a reformation of an old group under a new banner paid for by the same you know, dollars from outside of the state of uh, uh, outside of the state of Alaska, um, looked at through you know the the same lens. It's anti-development. It's oil and gas are evil. It's mining are evil. Is evil. Um, the Alaska transition needs to happen. Okay, uh, the Alaska transition may happen down the road, but it's not going to happen uh, quick enough for these guys. And the other thing is. If the Alaska transition happened, Larry, Alaska would cease to exist. We couldn't afford that transition. It, it, it wouldn't, yeah, it, it would not work for either of our states. And so, you know, it is, I think, time as we look to declaring independence and the celebration of that this weekend, I think it's time to declare independence from the hypocrisy of the eco left as well. The energy workers are going to make our backyard barbecues, are traveling to see our family members, if that's allowed in the state where you're at, and everything else that we enjoy as we celebrate our nation's uh, freedom and our nation's birth. Energy workers make that possible and a forced transition to uh, being beholden to an industry that isn't going to deliver is not good for our economy. It's not good for our country. And so I hope uh, as we get ready to celebrate the birth of our nation, we'll uh, you know, folks all around will take a renewed look at what uh, these green companies are promising and realizing they'll never deliver. Yeah, happy 4th of July to everyone out there. Enjoy your weekend. Remember to thank an energy worker because no matter what you're doing, fishing, camping, hiking, um, boating, 
almost every component of every type of activity has either a petrochemical or a mining component to it, right? Think about that. Boating, uh, again, camping, even is, is something as, as simple as like uh, coolers and water bottles, they're all made from the energy community. So we thank, uh, we thank our energy workers as we get ready to head out uh, into the weekend. And Larry, happy 4th of July. Happy 4th of July to you as well. And and I would uh, be remiss if I didn't end on a, on a grateful note. We are lucky to live in this country. We're lucky to be in the greatest country on the earth with uh, workers, not only the energy industry, but across many industries who make our way of life possible. We are grateful for them and grateful for that opportunity that some may try to attack, but uh, we're going to keep fighting for. So happy 4th to you, Rick. And uh, I'll tell you what, we'll catch everyone next week. And until then, you're fracking welcome. You're fracking welcome. That's it for this episode of Your Fracking Welcome, brought to you by Power the Future. Check us out online at powerthefuture.com or on Twitter at PTF New Mexico and PTF Alaska. In the meantime, make sure you tell your favorite radical environmentalist, Your Fracking Welcome. Welcome.